talking about life, faith, and everything in between. This is Messy Christianity. Good morning, gentlemen. Howdy. Yes, Messy Christianity, take something. Me and my incredible uh, uh, administrative skills and giftedness. <laughs> I noticed the laugh from you, and I noticed the blank stare from Brad. <laughs> Uh, today's topic is a good one, though, and yeah. I think it's something that we all either have asked in the past or we should ask or, or we are asking now. And, it, and it's really a, a huge question. The question is, what does God want from me? What does God want from me? Let's talk about that. I think part of it would begin with answering the question, does God want something from me? Before we can figure out what that is, is that even a biblical mandate that God wants something from me, that he desires something from me? I mean, we hear that for those who go to church on a regular basis. You hear things like God loves you. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And that God has a destiny. Whatever the words are, whatever church mm-hmm. phrase, whatever whatever said at the church. But is is it something that God even wants? Does God want something from us to begin with? Yeah, well, I think that, to, to me, that would be an obvious answer, and I know it would be obvious to you, but, but that is a good place to start. Um, what what evidence do we have that God wants something from us? Wow, awkward silence in the room. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Bible, uh, golly, I, I need to get a reference before I start a sentence, um, but I believe the Bible, from start to finish, uh, is is a story of God um, seeking redemption for his people. So God seeking relationship. I mean, at, at the at the basic 101 level, the whole reason for sending his son to the cross would be redemption of mankind um, to give away for relationship to be had between, you know, Jesus being the mediator between God and between man. So... Um, cover to cover, you know, I believe the whole, this is a very surface level statement here, but in general, the whole Bible is about God desiring, God wanting um, relationship with his creation. Yeah, no doubt. And, and if, if he didn't want something from us, that would beg the question, why would he make us? You know, all throughout Scripture, we find that God is in, in pursuit of us, humankind, yeah. and his pursuit for us is is based in relationship. You do see that from Adam and Eve in the garden. They are um, in relation. In relationship, yeah. there's a, there's a fellowship there. Of course, sin entered into the picture, but even still, mm-hmm. Jesus comes seaking after them by walking mm-hmm. through the garden, saying, "Hey, Adam, where are you?" Yeah. You see this in uh, the relationship with with Abraham when mm-hmm. God calls Abraham and says, "Abraham, I'm going to make you into a yeah. great nation. I'm going to bless you, yeah. and by, and all the peoples of the, of the earth will be blessed through you." And right. of course, he's talking about the the, the seed of Abraham eventually yeah. being Jesus as as the redeemer, and so. Yeah. You can see this with the nation of Israel. You can see this with, oh. um, with every every sure. pretty much every biblical story. Right. And so you know, there's the old idea that God is a clockmaker. That he he creates everything. He builds the clock, so to speak, and then he sets it in motion, and then just steps away and has no interaction. Mm-hmm. But that's that's not a biblical picture at all. God is highly interactive with humankind, and because of that, that that lends itself to the answer: Yes, God does want something. You know, the question, the, the original question we asked was, what does God want from me? 
um, let's change it from the word God to uh, what does my boss want from me? What does my wife want from me? What does my husband want from me? I mean, the the question itself doesn't have to be a um, a negative slant, doesn't have to be a, a list of what do I need to do, but I think that's the way we often hear that question asked. You know, what, I don't remember the original question, but what does God want me to do or what does God want from me? We hear that is, okay, what I got to do? I mean, that's the way yeah. sometimes that question is heard. Like so, a checklist. Yeah, like a checklist. And so, you know, we we oftentimes talk about the the uh, the Old Testament and, and uh, you know, all the rules and all the regulations, the 600 and whatever odd laws that were there. But, you know, we no longer need that because redemption through Christ. So we, we're in a different system. It's a new covenant, this kind of stuff. But then, you know, we go and we do kind of the same thing, you know, like, so... So what what does God want from me? What do I need to do? So we come up with books and write these books and oh my gosh, I'm gonna get in trouble here. But we come up with baseball diamonds, you know, and <laughs> here's what you gotta step through to become <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Yeah, for some that'll make sense. But what do we need to do? What does God want from me? What does God want me to do? And you know, I'm just processing this out loud with you guys, but I think maybe the the question itself, we're thinking of the question the wrong way. You know, what it's not what have I got to do? Like a task. Yeah. We're thinking, what what right. task does he want? What does God want from me? Well, God wants me. God, yes. God wants me. God wants relationship. I think therein lies the struggle in so many Christians' heart hearts is, is we're approaching God as if he wants us to perform. And so it's very conditional. If I do these things, then God will love me. This much. Right. If I do more, he'll love me more. Right. And so we, we, we have a conditional, transactional view of God. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know that we say this out loud. And I don't even know that, that we would agree with this out loud. But in our actions, our actions demonstrate this. Because yes. we oftentimes hear people in, in, in the pastoral role, we hear people say, I just don't feel like God loves me. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I know what they're saying, but at the end of the day, feeling has nothing to do with it. Whether or not my child feels like I love her or him mm-hmm. really has no bearing on my love whatsoever. Right. Whether or not my, my wife feels like I love right. her. Now, obviously, we want them to feel that way, but but it doesn't change the reality of my love because my love is determined by me, not by them. I choose mm-hmm. to love my family. I heard it said years ago. I, I don't know where, so I'm stealing this from somebody. Sorry. Uh, but the... Uh, feelings follow the facts. Facts don't ever follow the feelings. Yes. So, um, but we do get that confused oftentimes. Um, you know, you wake up one day and you wake up early with the birds chirping because you've read all the uh, old stories of all the greats of the faith who woke up at 4 a.m. and spent two hours in prayer before they started the day. So one day you decide to do it and you, you spend two hours in prayer and then, you know, you sing on the way to work and everything's just, it's one of those days and you feel like God loves you more that day. Then another day you sleep in until 1030 and, and, and everything's going wrong and you, you get in traffic and cuss somebody out and <laughs> wave to them, you know, <laughs> with one finger or something. And, and then, you you know, God doesn't love me because I've done all this evil stuff today. It, he doesn't love you anymore, doesn't love you any less, regardless of those situations, hmm. you know. So if the essence is relationship, and I think that's what I've heard both of you guys say, is that relationship God chasing after me, and we use biblical examples for that, biblical stories. What does that mean for me today in my life? How do I wake up in the morning 
in, in a way that you just described, Kevin, is a great day, the birds are chirping, or it's a horrific day and everything's cloudy in life. And chase after God from that perspective. What does that actually look like? What does God want from me today? If this is the day the Lord has made, and I choose to rejoice and be glad in it, as the Scripture says, then what does that actually look like played out? How do I live a lifestyle that's craving God, but being obedient to whatever it is that He wants from me? And how do I guard myself from it becoming a do list? Because even if you look at spiritual disciplines, which are incredible, which are wonderful, if the answer is a spiritual discipline, then we're missing it because it's doing something. Still. Correct. The, the the spiritual discipline is designed to point me to a deeper relationship with Christ. It's not the end. Right. It's a tool in the toolbox, the tool belt that helps me draw closer to Christ. When I think about what God wants from me and a relationship, if that's the answer, one of the verses that comes to mind is Psalms 131, verse 2. David says, But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a winged child with its mother. Like a winged child, I am content. And is that the essence of it? Yes, God wants us to do things, but what does he want us to be? Who does he want us to be? Am I content with being a three-year-old, a four-year-old child sitting in mama's lap, sitting in daddy's lap, not worried about anything else because I'm in dad's lap. And I, to me, answering that question, that's kind of where I have to begin is it's if I guard myself, he wants me to do things, but it's not about the do, it's about the be. Can you read the first part of that verse again? The, uh, something about calming. Yes, it's the intentionality behind it. But I have calmed and quieted Myself. Well, that's the part, and that's the <laughs> that's intentionality. Yeah. That that's yeah. the hard part. But yeah. I don't think and you notice could, who's doing that. Yeah, <laughs> and and exactly. And I don't think you can be a like a winged child being content, a, a non nursing child anymore, yeah. and be content if you're not calm and if you've not quieted your, yourself. So there's an intentionality on my part of cultivating that atmosphere within me, even in the business of life. Internally, where am I? Am I at mm-hmm. peace? Or am I wired and I just can't calm down? And our own culture does not lend itself towards uh, sitting with God. And and so when, when you take the expectations, even if they're unspoken, the expectations of productivity equals importance, um, works equals relationship or, or love, you know, what I do is who I am. When you take all of those and you put them together and then you move them over into the spiritual realm, into the relational realm with God— we are still acting as if the more we do for God, the more important we are or the mm-hmm. closer we feel. And, and of course, yeah, we have to balance that with, with the concept of obedience in Scripture because obedience, without a doubt, Jesus said, if you love me, then you will obey my mm-hmm. commands. So, so that's important, and that is, that is the essence of the evidence of love, but it's not the, 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 uh, the, the method, to the get method yeah. of getting love or, right. or of ev- even necessarily of showing love. Um, I don't know. If- well, you could even do, we could go through the checklist and even do the, the, the right things. But if, if our motivation is not love, if our motivation is not um, relationship in the first place, then doing the things is still not. I mean, well, think about the spiritual, right. the spiritual disciplines that we were just mentioning earlier. I can read my Bible every day and not 
have a relationship. So if God's right. desiring relationship, I can read my Bible and not have a relationship through it. Yeah. I can pray and not have a relationship through it. I can help the little lady or the little yes. old man at Walmart put his groceries, her groceries in the back of the car and do that and not have a relationship. So the relationship has to be the fundamental mm-hmm. um the foundation. The foundation. Yeah. Thank you. The fundamental foundation has to be the relationship, and building on that relationship, level by level by level, is a more intimate, obedient walking right. it out. And you could put like a human relationship with our wives. All right, here's a checklist. I've got to buy her flowers. I've got to do stuff. I've got to do stuff around That's the house. That's supposed to be on the list. It's expected, you know, but I don't really, I'm just doing it because I have to. And That's not yeah. a relationship. That's just doing what you got to to maintain the. The household, but uh, I mean, I mean, and therein lies my problem with Valentine's Day. <laughs> well, there you go. It's the day when everybody is supposed to show love. Next February, <laughs> coming to a podcast near you. <laughs> no, but that that is so very true. If if you do the right thing with the wrong motive, that really negates the right thing. Now, may, maybe maybe that right thing does mm-hmm. produce something good, but it it kind of it spoils. It's like building a house on a rotten foundation. Mm-hmm. So. It sounds to me like we have some recurring themes here. All we're, What we're talking about is God wants from us relationship. God wants from us a, uh, a communion, time, you know, conversation. All of those things, though, I think we, we find in the nature of God or in the revelation of who God is. I mean, after all, if God made us in his image to find out who we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to... Uh, what we're supposed to do for or with or what God expects from us, then shouldn't we just look at the character of God say, okay, mm-hmm. if if this is what God is, or this is who God is, rather, then that's who we should be. Yeah. And God is is love. Yeah. He's kindness. He's just. He's merciful. He's truthful. I mean, all of those things, isn't that what he wants from us? And it's not a list of doing things. It's right. a list of how you are to be. Yes. The be versus the do. The 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 million dollar question that probably this may be the question I've been asked more in the ministry than any other question. Y'all maybe echo this, but what is God's, what is will? God's will for yeah. my life? And what that question usually is asking is, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Where do I go to college? What career am I supposed to take? Who am I supposed to marry? Um, it, it's question after question. It's a, and it's always a doing. And, you know, honestly, it's not wrong to ask God those kind of, I mean, I don't think that's wrong, but I think if, if God, if we can pull back and just look at God's will is not necessarily, okay, it's okay to ask those questions, but it's, it's really more of God, what's your will for my life? Who do you want me to be? Not what do you yeah. want me to do? Who do you want me to be? Same thing you just said, but um, just think of it differently. Let me read. This is a uh, Romans twelve two. It's a common verse. We all know it. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will, His good, His pleasing, and His perfect will. And so many times we are asked the question of what is God's will for our life, and we're asking, you know, what do we want God? What do you want me to do? Well, I think this answers. Well, what I want you to do is to not conform and transform your mind. So basically, seek me with your life. Yeah. Seek me, and then let these other things fall into place. You know, it, I think it, we just got to think of the question differently. What does God want me? To, what does God want for me? God wants us to seek Him. He wants us to seek that relationship, and then He'll He'll take us, you know, yeah. <laughs> along for the ride. He'll He'll put us. He'll help us to go where we're supposed to go. One of the most satisfying things in my life is being a father. I mean, I love a lot about my. Li- I love everything about my life, but. 
being a father is is the the way that I see how God relates to me, because I think that He builds inside of us these these innate clocks or innate rhythms, if you will, of of what He is like. And so, for my kids, I I have gotten more joy out of watching them discover who they are, and out of watching them experience um, new successes in life. And and it's those conversations. It's not me telling them go do this. Right. It's it's the the questioning, them saying, "Hey, what do you think I should do?" And then not my answer. Well, uh, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. I mean, just so it's that interaction that is is where the real joy is. Right. And I really think that that's the way God interacts with us. He's not so interested necessarily in telling us, "I want you to go here and do this and mm-hmm. say this and go there." It's much more of a daily hourly, you know, moment by moment relationship mm-hmm. where I don't have to worry about tomorrow. In fact, the scripture tells us don't worry about your life, you know, about tomorrow, what what you'll eat and what you'll drink, about what God's will is, because God cares about all of those animals mm-hmm. and certainly he cares about you even that much more. And so so you know, we worry and we stress about all that, mm-hmm. but God is saying, look, just just like we said, just be. Just, just be. be right with me. Right. And as we are going, man, I'm going to do stuff through you that you didn't ever imagine. Mm-hmm. And I do that with my kids. Don't you do that with your kids? Absolutely. I mean, you don't give them the answers all the time, do you? No. Very no, rant- rare. If I give the answer, that takes away the opportunity for an aha moment. Yes, yes. And the aha moment. That's the best. It's it's beautiful. I love the aha moments in my life. You may tell me something 10 times, but when I finally come to the realization on my own— that the that God has spoken it into my life, it's like wow, I, I, get, it. I get it now. I, I've heard mm-hmm. it's life transformation. And how many times? Uh, let me say it differently. The the greatest joy, perhaps, is when you hear someone else talk about your kids mm. in a way that makes you proud, mm. and that satisfaction of going, man, they got it, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I can only imagine what God would feel like when one of His children is acting like he would act and then for 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 other people to recognize that in them and I wonder about God going that's that's what I'm looking for right there I've created someone to act like me mm-hmm. not not in the 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 uh, uh infinite ways you know obviously God is God will never be God we don't we don't want to try to be God but to emulate his character man that's mm-hmm. that's the most perfect um relationship that you that you could ask for well the whole idea of being a disciple of jesus is to be an imitator of jesus Mm -hmm. we just use that word disciple and in some ways that's become watered down we're supposed to be emulating and imitating jesus said greater things you will do than i've ever done here on earth and that blows our mind we start thinking about that but that's the that is part of the calling that happens only through the relationship with god that that is that foundation so how i mean Hmm. Let's turn the corner. Here. That's so, the question. That is the hard question. How? So here's what I know the what. Here's what if, uh, Ecclesiastes twelve says twelve um, thirteen. Now all has been heard. I guess I should do this at the end since all has been heard. Now all <laughs> has been funny. heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter: Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. See that right there, though, points us back towards doing something. But his commandments, we really have to go back to two, right? What are his two commandments? Love God, love people. Love God, love people. 
So, so that, that's interesting that when we read this, we read it through mm-hmm. a lens of what do you want me to do? Right. Which is the question you just right. ask. How do we do it? Well, we right. do something. No, it, it's a love God. So how do we love God mm-hmm. and love people? How do we love people? Yeah, for me, the how, I actually asked that how on purpose because you're right. That initially that how is give me the steps. Give me the steps. I think this is undoing the steps. Yes. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, you started with it earlier. It's that being calm intentionally and being still and, and just listening. Um, the how for me would be somehow in this crazy world we live in that every single minute, every awake moment of our lives is filled with noise of some type. It's finding a way to intentionally be calm in the midst of all this. I mean, how can we have a, a being relationship with God if we can't listen to God? Yeah. Um, so step number one is limit the noise in our life. Hmm. So, which, which is really saying self-control, not allowing just anything and everything have mm-hmm. access to our heart or our mind. Because mm-hmm. remember, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yeah. So it seems as though that is where a big part of the issue is. And right before that, don't be conformed to the pattern of the world. Yes. So it's so almost like you can't be transformed until you're not conformed. Um, and we think of the big bad sins on that. You know, don't do all the bad stuff, but don't be conformed to the pattern of the world. What kind of bad? Well, yeah, let's go through you know, the list. We all know the bad stuff. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it could mean don't be conformed to the pattern of the world. Is don't think like the world. Don't think that we have to have every single second filled with uh, Netflix or YouTube or, or or you know something music noise. It doesn't have to be filled with that all the time. And to be more intimate in our relationship with Christ, one of the things that we need to do is have each of us have our own litmus test of what it is to be purified in front of Christ, in front of God. What does purification look like? The verse I referenced earlier was Psalm 131, 2. Let me back up and read verse 1. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty or lofty or lifted up. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. And then the verse we read, But I have calmed myself and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child I am content. And then he says, Israel, we would... To transform that and say, story point or Christ follower, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. So as you just look at that, litmus test is, am I proud? Is my heart full of arrogance and pride and things that don't need to be there? Are my eyes focused on things that are not Christ-centered? Are my eyes focused on the things of this world, on my occupation, my job, my finances, my relationships, fill in the blank? Am I concerned about things that I have no business being concerned about? That's part of that self-control and not thinking and processing and worrying about things that are beyond my scope of understanding, my, my, my ability to do anything about possibly. And I'm not saying not listen to what God's telling you. If God's telling you to get active in a certain area, then you need to do that. But how much time do we, do we spend focusing on things at the end of the day that really don't matter, especially in our relationship with God? Pride gets in the way, lofty eyes gets in the way, being concerned with things that don't really matter, all of those get in relay with and get in way with a relationship with God. And through that, it hampers the purity of my heart. And that affects my relationship as well. Yep. You know, it's almost like this um I have this picture of an extremely busy city where there's there's just, you know, hundreds and thousands of people all over the place. 
and we're trying to go the opposite direction of of where everybody else is going. And so in order to really do that, the best or the easiest, I guess, is to step outside of the city. And, and it's a very lonely place sometimes, and it's a very odd place to be sometimes. You know, because could you th- could you imagine in our culture? Um, now this is the extreme. I'm not necessarily recommending this, but could you imagine having no TV, no internet, no not, none of those other things? What are we Amish now? What in the yeah, world? I mean Come for on. real. Yeah. Uh, but but and so so that there, there's only a limit of what you can do on that. Right. But but just take it to the extreme to have all the to not have any of those things. You would be ridiculed, at least behind your back, from pretty much everybody yeah. because everybody would say, "Well, you, you can't do that. You know, you're crazy." Yeah. However, we're 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 succumbing to the pressures of what is normal for the world, but we know that what's normal for the world is brokenness and pain and and hurt and and all those things that we mm-hmm. should be different from as a as a Christ follower. That that didn't come out right, but you know what I'm saying. There, it it the pain should not be from brokenness, um, for the Christ follower because yeah. we sh- we should God should He makes us whole. I, I don't know if that came out right, but so last year you you encouraged all of us as, as a staff to uh, to set aside some time throughout the year to to have some time to get away, mm-hmm. just to listen to God and just to be in retreat, um, which I think most of us did that. You know, uh, an intentional day, you know, or day or two, just to listen. First time I ever did that was in seminary. We had the assignment. It was one of those spiritual transformation classes or something like did that. Did everybody complain about it? Yeah, it was like, actually, it was a throwaway class. I mean, just to be honest, it was it was kind of... If the professor's uh, listening, I'm, you I'm were sorry, a throwaway no. professor. Well, it was a whole a semester, but, but I did get something out of it, so thank you, professor, whoever you were. Um, you were you were unmemorable. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the assignments was to do, a, I believe it was only like a 12-hour no devices, no anything, just you and God, get away time. And so we had to then journal about it. Now, you could pretend you did it, but I actually did it. Okay. But I remember I'd never done something like that before. And so I remember um, starting that and looking you know, at the time I had a watch and looking down at the watch and going, I've only been here 20 minutes. <laughs> I was bored out of my mind. I didn't know what to, I, you know, I had always had noise. And so that was incredibly, incredibly hard to do. But I did find after I got past, I don't know what mark, an hour, two hours, it's like then a piece did kind of come over me where uh, then I was able to start hearing, uh, you know, and and we just need that. I think our, our bodies, our minds, God has made us uh, for Sabbath. I know you talk a lot about that. We're at the end of our time, but um, we are created to have times of rest where we can, and, and we can't heal anything inside of us we can't heal broken relationship unless we have a time to feel the weight of what's wrong you know we we, instead of feeling that feeling filling f-i-l-l-i-n-g with something else we we need to pull back and feel f-e-e-l-i-n-g um feel the weight of of who we are and and what we need from god so that that requires that calmness in it that we talked about early um it seems as though all of my life, I have um, aspired to be the kind of person who was still and quiet and uh, contemplative. And I think what I've realized is that my picture of that was a certain mold. And, and, and I will never be that person 
based on my personality and who I am. So rather than try to be Brendan Manning or, yeah. you know, um, any of the other spiritual disciplines writers, I need to be Jeff, yeah. but not lose the calling that Jesus demonstrated by getting away by himself to a lonely place. Agreed. So it doesn't mean we become one of those grandmaster quiet people. It yeah. just means that we find the relationship, because it's going back to what does God want from me? God wants relationship, and He he's more interested in making the man than he is in making the ministry. Yep. I do like what Brendan Manning said. Uh, he said to, uh, I think it was Rich Mullins, he said the question he believes God is going to ask people is do do you know how much I love you? Or or I think it may be this, do you believe that I love you? I think that's the question. Do you believe that I love you? We live too many times as if we don't believe God loves us. But when we mm. do believe he loves us, we no longer have to strive for that love anymore mm -hmm. because we're not striving to get love we're striving because we love. Mm -hmm. Big, big difference. Oh, huge difference. Freedom. Yep. Total freedom. Oh, my gosh. You know, what's beautiful about StoryPoint and First Baptist is, is seeing the freedom in people's lives when they get to that place. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it almost only comes after they're exasperated by doing it their own way. Mm -hmm. Right? But, man, yeah. people are finding freedom, and it's, it is life-changing. God is seeking us. Mm. What he wants, what he wants from us, is for us to seek him. And you can hear that as a to-do list, or you can hear that as, I want to be, I want to be, in relationship with my God. Thirty-second closer. What do you got? Be, be a little child sitting in mom's dad's lap. If that's the calling that God has on our life, are you satisfied with that? It's mm -hmm. not about the name that you make, places that you travel number of people that you share Christ with. All of those are things that he wants us to do, but the essence of it is, for me, being that little boy that's okay being in Dad's lap and not worrying about everything else. Start where you are. You don't need a, a week-long retreat on top of a mountain if you can't do that with your schedule. Start in the car pickup line. You're picking up the kids. Turn the radio off and just spend some time uh, listening and talking to God. Start where you are. I think noise is a cheap substitute for the presence of God. So the less noise we have in our life, the more opportunity we have to experience the presence of God. And and I use this word, and to bask in the presence of God. And that's far beyond a feeling. That's a, that's a knowing. Hmm. That is an understanding. I really do believe, I know that God loves me. Hmm. And when you have the relationship of a father who loves you, there is nothing on the planet that, that, can, that can ever replace that there's just nothing else like it well i cannot believe how fast 30 minutes goes by 30 minutes and 54 seconds wow i hope all the people who are listening um are enjoying these and we would like to hear from you guys if you have some input for us whether good or bad you know we're we're, we're big boys we can take criticism uh i would say be gentle but um be truthful you know we want to hear uh, is God using this in any way in your life? And I also want to remind you that we we don't rehearse this. We literally choose a topic uh, a couple days before or the day of, and we come together and it, because we want it to be raw and yeah. unrehearsed and authentic. And so that's why sometimes we start sentences and 
comments, and then we halfway through go, "Oops, I have no idea where I was saying there." <laughs> yeah. And you know what? We, we're not editing it either. We're, yeah. This is literally because that's the, that's the whole point. A raw conversation about messy Christianity. So y'all be good, and we'll see you next time. See ya. Thank you for listening to Messy Christianity. Three guys talking about life, faith, and everything in between. Want to know more? Check us out at www.storypointchurch.com or www.messychristianity.com.